When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back for part two of the PT-109 little series we got going on. So back with Ryan Pryor. Thanks again for joining me. Hello. And yeah, we're just going to pick up where we left off last week. So if you're not caught up and you did not listen to last week's, go do that now and then come back to this. And grab a drink. Mm-hmm. And or if you're driving, don't grab a drink. I know some people like to listen to the podcast while they're driving. Yeah. Um, don't drink. No, drive. we do not condone that. No, we're sitting in our respective living rooms. We are. And we're talking about JFK. We're talking about John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And when we left off last week, JFK had just entered training at the PT Patrol Torpedo Boat Motor uh, Academy. And it's not really an academy. It was just a training school. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently does really, really well there. Uh, he impresses a lot of his, uh, his instructors, I guess you would call them, in typical Kennedy fashion. He had been, of course, on the Harvard sailing team. Yeah, and along with being on the sailing team, the man was also on the football team and the swimming team. And then obviously he got the back injury in football, so that kind of uh, dampened all that. But still, imagine a full course load I mean, at Harvard uh, and then uh, being involved in all that. Not that he had good grades, but still. I barely passed high school. and That's not true. I, I, <laughs> that is such bull. Okay, I, let me reverse. What I'll say is, is that I couldn't imagine going to Harvard and also then doing four sports. Yeah. Now, sailing, is that a sport? Some would say yes. Some would say no. Well, it takes time out of your day, regardless. It so, does. I don't it know, does. That's a I've lot. never sailed a boat. I've never been a, sail- a salesman. Me either. Sailor. I'd be scared. Sailor. Yeah, I don't like the sea. But Me either. <laughs> either way, JFK had a lot of experience with boats. So while he's at training, Lieutenant Commander Bull Kelly sees a lot of promise in him. A lot of people say that they think Joe sort of uh, pushed him to give him the command of a PT boat or a boat itself. Historians and other people say that, you know, Bull Kelly would not have given JFK command of a boat if he wasn't prepared, and he obviously was prepared, and uh, regardless of his medical conditions and things of that nature, he, he was very impressive in school, and so he was given command. Not of PT-109. I don't remember the exact name, and I should have probably written it down, but it was another PT boat. Not as important. Less cool PT boat. PT, who cares? JFK, like a lot of other guys in, in that time, there was this really big push by young men during the Second World War to want to find combat, mm-hmm. to want to go out and fight. They didn't want to be assigned to the trucking division. They didn't want to be assigned to like the, the service corps. They didn't want to be assigned to the mess tent. They didn't want to be assigned to supply trains. They wanted to fight. So he wants to go off to fight, but he actually gets assigned to the Panama Canal, which if you guys didn't know where the Panama Canal is, it's uh, not in the Pacific Theater. It's down in Central America, right? But through some Kennedy magic... He is able to actually get himself reassigned and sent to fight in the Pacific anyway. And that is where he gets assigned. Uh, and this goes back to that we talked about in the last episode. We talked about this concept of island hopping. The first major like land battle victory for the United States was at the Battle of Guadalcanal. And uh, it was the first major island or island chain that the United States had been able to wrestle from the Japanese's clutches. Mm-hmm. 
basically the United States had started to set up their island hopping escapades from the island of Guadalcanal, and the PT boats were serving at a very specific purpose there, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute. And through some, some Kennedy magic, I'm not exactly sure of the circumstances, he was able to get him assigned and sent to Tulagi Island, which is just north of Guadalcanal. Uh, and that is where he is assigned to the famous PT-109. That is how we get to PT-109. That's how he's there. But the interesting thing is on the way there, actually, while he's aboard the croup carrier ship Rochambeau, they are attacked and the ship's captain is killed by a bomb. And JFK actually gets his first taste of combat there when he has to start like helping the deck crew fire back at Japanese fighter planes and Mm -hmm. bombers that are strafing the ship, which is super cool, I think. Um, It's just wild to think about that life. Like, can you imagine just the absolute edge of your seat you'd be on all the time and just alert and living this such rugged oh yeah existence out there not knowing if you're going to live to see the next day like i mean we none of us know that but you know what i mean sure. so that's just wild I, I just to put yourself or even not that we can but to even think about living in that form of environment is just wild it really is so and we know what's interesting about that is you say that like the war is often categorized or like spoken about by the by those who fight in it as being extremes mm-hmm. it's about being extremes you are there are on the edge of your like adrenaline pumping almost dying have like harrowing experiences or complete and utter boredom uh monotony like malnutrition just sort of just like sitting around doing nothing that is what a lot of veterans who will like who share their experiences or stories to historians and things that sort of you find these experience sort of flip-flop between extreme whatever and extreme nothing mm-hmm which are both such extremes, honestly. Oh, for sure. And we're so. going to talk about that in actually just a second, because he arrives at Tulagi Island. He gets control of PT-109, but the ship is broken. The ship is broke down. The ship is busted. The ship needs painting. And so JFK has to spend the next month or two actually just, like, fixing the boat. He and his crew of about 14 guys had to spend quite a, some time fixing PT-109 uh, up to even get it ship shape. Eventually, PT-109 is ordered to the Russell Islands. The United States, as a part of this island-hopping campaign, had done had begun to approach the island of New Georgia to take back from the Japanese. And so they had begun to establish, again, a preparatory, you know, airstrips and, and bombing campaigns and all sorts of crazy things to begin the process of invading the island of New Georgia. And all the while, the PT boats in the area, remember we talked about the PT boats last week, just as a reminder, PT boats were designed to be small fast, agile boats that would basically be force multipliers. In in terms of military technology, a force multiplier is something that allows a smaller group of individuals to take on a larger group of individuals through force multiplication. And so these PT boats are force multipliers, and uh, they get stationed on this, on the edge, the tip, the northern tip of what's called Rendova Island. And that's where these, it's sort of a makeshift, crude, uh, like, like, honestly, like bamboo huts kind of thing, not like an official Navy base. But this is where all these boats are, are stationed out of. And what they would do is they would take, you know, they would engage in like raids and stuff. They would go attack Japanese boats. They would go ambush. They would try to ambush Japanese detachments and things like that. They would engage in naval sorties is what they're called. But the other thing that this place is known for is, we were talking about those extremes. And this place of Rendova Island, JFK talks about it and he talks about how basically the place was riddled with malaria and the food was terrible, just bad, terrible, mal- like malnutrition abounded, colitis and dysentery. And if you didn't know what dysentery wow. is, just go look it up. Dysentery killed 
more men and like I said, dysentery diseases and dysentery. I don't want to say just dysentery. So let, let me clarify that. But diseases and dys- dysentery kill more men in wartime than bullets and bayonets and swords and bombs do. I had no uh, idea. The, that is wild. The United States Civil War, 620,000 men died in that war. Most of them died of disease. Gosh. Most of them did not die from bayonets and, and cannonballs at the Battle of Chickamauga and, and Gettysburg. Most of them died of either disease or dehydration caused by dysentery. Wow. That's okay? terrible. So imagine this. Is, imagine this. Like, so, so, and by the way, JFK, when he got stateside after the events that we're going to talk about in the next couple of episodes after he went stateside, uh, JFK suffered from the effects of all of these diseases, which he... It, which he he had caught at some point, like he had malaria while he was there. He had and malaria, of course. Interestingly enough, is a lot like COVID nineteen. Pretty similar, like it's a similar disease. Yeah, and uh, on top of that, I mean, he was had such horrible autoimmune right. diseases. He had horrible bowel diseases right. and issues. So imagine that on top of poor quality foods and things like that. I mean, I, I'm surprised he lived just in that. Oh, for sure. Right. The, the fact that he lived as long as he did and the fact he was able to right. do any of the campaigning, any of the things that he was able to do is, is, is a testament to his will as an individual. Sure. Um, and they're very good health connections, uh, yeah, <laughs> doctor sure. connections, drug oh, connections, all the things kept him going. So, Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And it's during this time that, that PT-109 and other PT boats are basically engaging with Japanese battleships, Japanese cruisers. And specifically, one concept, which I actually just love talking about because I think it's an incredible topic. But the thing that sets up the events of August 1st, 1943 is that the Japanese had been, tr- had been using a system, a strategy or tactic during the Pacific War, during the Pacific Theater, to avoid having their supplies be destroyed by American aircraft. See, America possessed air superiority. At this time, we had more planes, we had more aircraft carriers. The Japanese Navy was, I think, more powerful than the United States Navy, but the, our, our Air Force was able to effectively destroy Japanese troop carriers and also supply ships. And so the Japanese began using a strategy of filling up battle cruisers and other quick, fast ships, not slow-moving ships, ships that wouldn't normally carry supplies, with supplies. And during the night, they would send these ships off to different places that they wanted to resupply, and those ships would go to, this, go to these islands, like the island of New Georgia, which the United States was preparing to invade, unload their supplies, and then get back all in one night. And the terminology for this, the United States coined this, this operation that the Japanese were undergoing was called the Tokyo Express, hmm. which I think is super cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about nomenclature like that, but like the Tokyo Express. And one of the big things that PTO 109 and JFK and all of these other PT boats were doing during this time were engaging and trying to disrupt the Tokyo Express. That Tokyo Express, the PT boats, the island hopping campaigns, the Russell Islands and the preparation to invade the island of New Georgia is what sets up the events of what, again, historians have called the most famous small craft engagement in naval history on the night of August 1st, 1943. And it was the night that JFK essentially became a hero. And this is directly, by the way, from the JFK library. Yeah, I read uh, that too. I, it was really good. We're really well written. If you want to read Super well about written. It, yeah. Part of this, this is at least... When he was asked to explain how he had become a hero, Kennedy replied simply, it was involuntary. They sank my boat. And so next week, we're going to find out how 
they sank his boat. Yes. And I want to mention too, I keep bringing up the health things because I think it's just so important for people to understand the conditions that his body was in at this point in time, especially leading up until the story that you're about yes. to tell that a lot of people know, but you really have to just take it in and realize. Yes. So his crew on PT-109 said that he was always in pain. The way that the PT boats were, because they were those very fast, very choppy boats. I mean, it's constant motion. If you've ever been on choppy water, you understand. So that was horrible on his already bad back. Kept him needing to be in the bed all the time, but he obviously couldn't be. So just remember that as well, leading up into the story that he was in horrible pain 99% of the time. Oh, it's got to be. I mean, you have to have context for this. This makes it even more harrowing. And Sure. By the way, just I want to give everyone a, a book recommendation as always. You might be wondering how I like get these books. I don't buy all these books. I have a lot of academic resources that allows me to access certain texts and things for free, which not everybody has. So I'm certainly not buying all of these books uh, when I recommend them to you. I do have, I did buy some of them, of course, but I do try to get my source my information from a lot of different places when I'm bringing you guys in, you know, this kind of stuff. So my book recommendation for this particular thing is called PT 109, an American epic of war, survival, and the destiny of John F. Kennedy by William Doyle. Yeah, that's a very popular one. And I will add it to my Amazon recommendation so you guys can check the link in the uh, description of this episode and I will have a direct link to that book if you want to buy it and read more about it. I would highly recommend because from what I've read of it, uh, and I haven't read, like I said, I haven't read all of it, read, read the parts that I needed to you know to understand. Incredible book. Awesome. Um, an incredible story. Highly recommend. But that's where we're going to be to be continued. We're going to to be continued you again. We're going we're gonna to keep going. We are halfway through. Yes, and remember, we're doing this and we're continuing it because when Pryor and I were talking about it, this is a Kennedy-based podcast. Always will be for the foreseeable future. So now I want you guys to understand that these pivotal, huge stories, like I really want to take the time to get into them really deep and for all of us to really spend the time that needs to be spent on them. Because if I was to give you one or two episodes, then I would leave so much out and then have to revisit and then come back, which sometimes I do revisit things. But this particular piece that made JFK so much of what he was and so much of what we all remember him as, I want to, you know, give it justice. I would, by the way, I would, I would say, I think that Allison, you'll be able to come back to this quite a few times. Sure. Uh, there's just even just the things that I didn't get into that I really now that I'm starting, it's starting to, to pique my interest. JFK's time on Rendova Island. I would like to know if there are sources out there that could tell us about what that experience was like, what it was like to just live on like a desert island and be spending half your time sure. going out and risking yeah. your life on a PT boat, and the other half getting malaria and sitting around getting sunburnt. Wow. What I like to do is paint the picture, and then we will revisit. But this is such a very intricate picture. I want to paint a little more of it before having to revisit. But that particular thing, I absolutely, those little side stories, I will come back to because they're not little in the grand scheme. I mean, they're huge things no, that are they're interesting. Certainly so not little I at do all. want to come back and, and do that. But I do want to paint this entire picture out over really a month. <laughs> so, but if you're a JFK fan, you're interested just like I am. And by so. the way, if you would like, there's a couple, I always like to include some other media as well as books. But if you would like sort of like a, um, if you're like PT boats and all that kind of stuff, and you're you're interested in that kind of that kind of stuff, I would highly recommend a television show. I don't know where you can find it, but 1962 to 1966, there was a TV show called McHale's Navy, which starred Ernst Borgnine. You'll know him because his face. He's a very iconic actor. Just one of those guys that you just sort of know. You're like, oh, I've seen that guy in something before. But it's a it's a, it was a show. It's a, it's a comedy. It's a sitcom about a PT boat crew during the Second World War. And if you just want a little something from you know just something to just pique your interest, if you're looking for connections and things like that. I would highly recommend. Hilarious show. I used to watch it at night with my dad. Damn, McHale's Navy. That. And then also, there's a movie. 
Yeah, I've right? seen the movie. My granddaddy had me watch it years ago. PT 109. Yeah. The movie. I think there's a whole podcast just about the movie. Yeah, you know? so. I mean, We won't talk about that these days. And that's, honestly, you can talk about that with somebody else because that's not my expertise um, you know, is movies. I'm sure there's somebody much more interesting to talk about pop culture with sure, uh, sure. than I. But anyway, yeah, so there's a movie. There's Mikhail's Navy. There's a great book. And there's the Jimmy Dean song, PT 109. Yeah. So brush up on all this, and we will talk to you guys about it. Continued next week. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty. Make sure to check the show notes for my Amazon recommendation shop, for my merch shop, for YouTube, if you prefer to listen there. And we will continue with part two next week. Smoke and fire upon the Which proves it's hard to get the best of a man named John. Come on and vote for Kennedy, vote for Kennedy, keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Around 10,000 BCE, families and tribes of the ancestors to the people of Britain would arrive in the southern part of the island after crossing from land that bridged from Europe. The Welsh built houses, communities, kingdoms, and continued to survive through Romans, Saxons, Danes, and Normans. The language and culture influenced by these sources continued to change and thrive, becoming ancient and modern at the same time. Join me as we travel through the history, meeting the kings, queens, nobles, and everyday people that create and grew modern Wales from the seeds of the ancient past. Creoso, and welcome to the Welsh History Podcast.